0: Blog Talk Radio
1: All right. good evening everyone Welcome to the In Within, glad you could join us Uh, We have a lot to talk about tonight Of course there's been a lot going on here in the last week Uh, More than, really I don't even know if we can cover it all in two hours, but uh, just to give you a recap, uh, of course, one of the biggest news stories this week was the Jordanian pilot, which was uh, basically burned to death, and, of course, ISIS, being the barbarians that they are, filmed it and then uploaded it to the world to see, and And I assume they're using it for recruitment purposes for, you know, I don't understand who in their right mind, well, no one in their right mind could possibly, you know, be recruited by such a video as this. I mean, it's most horrendous thing that could possibly be done to any living being, whether they be Muslim, Christian, Jew, animals, you know, it's just unthinkable. Anyway, the name of the Jordanian pilot was Moaz El-Kasasabe, the best I can pronounce it, and uh, he was a Jordanian pilot, I believe he was uh, piloting a F-16 He was shot down by ISIS, from what I understand, which we'll get to that. I'm still having a hard time understanding how ISIS has that sophisticated kind of weaponry to knock down an F-16. And, you know, if they do, where did it come from? And if they do have it, indeed, who trained them to use how to how to use it? I mean, you just you know you just don't run across that kind of weaponry, and then by osmosis, you you know, and grant, granted, unless you you know you, you trial and error, and you finally you say, oh okay, I'll well, figure it out. You know, I no longer have to be a suicide bomber. Uh, but, uh, of course, uh, it appears that we do at least have one world leader who's not a world leader pretend, and that seems to be George's King Abdullah, who, I don't know if you saw the pictures this morning, he's in his fatigues, and he's, you know, you know, macho, has his, uh, you know, kind of i mean it's really based on the photo he even makes putin look look, you know look a little scrawny you know looks like he'd get putin to run for his money uh we won't even bring you know our excuse me our potus into the picture we know that uh yeah you, know, you got Putin on the one hand and Duo on the other, and then you got uh, the president, which I will not name on the girls' bicycle on the other way on the other hand, so you know it just don't fit. I'll put it that way, but uh one of the things that you know that we see going on right now is that there is a real push right now among uh, Russia and also OPEC to basically unhinge themselves from the dollar. Russia has already succeeded in this and also has uh, worked with China on this, and OPEC as well is working on unhinging from the dollar. What that means is that the value of the dollar, of course, will become worth less, and then over time, worth less, and then given enough time, maybe become worthless. And we hope that is not the case, but they did say, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed that, you know, dollar five percent gasoline, you know, $1.85. Because uh, they say OPEC now saying crude may go up to two hundred dollars a barrel. Okay, give you some perspective. In two thousand eight, when the economy crashed, we were right at I think a hundred and forty dollars a barrel. So there's no way the U.S. economy can survive at $200 a barrel. That is, not unless we can crank up our our own uh, oil production via fracking, uh, via the Keystone XL, uh, which is another thing I want to get into. Me find it odd that the United Steelworkers decided to go on strike on Sunday, the day of the Super Bowl. And the reason me finds it odd is because uh, in Congress, the Keystone XL pipeline was passed. Okay, granted, I think it still has to work its way through the Republican-controlled Senate, which chances are it will probably make it through the Republican-controlled Senate, which it reaches the president's desk, which undoubtedly it would get vetoed and then come back to be reworked, you know, whatever, if not killed, period. But, you know, uh, we'll see where it goes. But it's funny that the United Steelworkers decided to go on strike and they're going to be the ones basically supplying the pipes for the pipeline. So there's a lot of things going on, I think, in the background that we need to take notice of. And uh, that's one of the things is every time you turn around now, it seems like uh, Putin is kind of, you know, doing a dance, doing a tap dance around the borders of the U.S. It's almost like he's dipping dipping his toes in the water to see what, you know, the response is going to be. You know, first, he may send U.S. bombers, you know, uh, over Alaska airspace, then he'll send fighters off the coast of California or off the Atlantic coast. And, of course, you know, we scramble jets and, you know, they flip birds off to one another. And then they go about their merry way. But uh, these kind of, you know, uh, tit-for-tat showdowns seem to be becoming more and more frequent and it's kind of a it's it's a it's a test you know it's a test of wheels uh obviously putin knows you know that we have a very very uh weak administration in terms of foreign policy uh that we have degraded our military In such a way that we have uh, forced our generals, our high command into early retirement, or we've, uh, you know, dismissed them altogether, uh, and God forbid if we've replaced them with like the new Pentagon Mm spokesman from the Navy, who's, I don't remember his name, but he's a rear admiral. And he looks like something off Comedy Central. I mean, he looks so animated, he he can't even be real. It's almost like a Saturday Night Live spoof. But, uh, anyway, these events are all coming together in confluence. And... You know, you feel like you're kind of getting into a tennis match with uh, people that can, you know, throw a 95 mile an hour fastball at each other, you know, and eventually it gets to the point where your head can't keep up with the action that's taking place, and so you just kind of give up. And then hopefully you'll pick up whenever things slow down a bit. That's about the closest thing I can compare it with. But anyway, I got Brent, a man, holding on the line. Let's go ahead and uh, bring him online. I'm sure he has some thoughts about uh, the developments this week. I know they were. <laughs> They they were horrendous. That's all I can say. Uh, you know, I, I don't encourage anybody to go see the video. You know, it's... I think the still images say enough, you know, but if you're one who has to see it, then by all means, go see it. But, uh, you know, just remember, once you see it, you know, it's like... Um, Brett Baer said, Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And just like when I watched the heads being severed of Daniel Pearl and others, you can't unsee those images. So just keep that in mind. But anyway, let's go ahead and bring Brent on the line. And hopefully, he'll tell me I've got audio where I'm not just been talking to myself. So, Brent.
0: No, oh, you sound
2: great. You're coming through very clear, Mike. I can hear you. Oh. Uh, about, as good as, about as good as it gets on Blog Talk Radio.
1: <laughs> well, good. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm using, I hate those. Well, first of all, I understand you gotta use a smartphone. Which one you get? You get a iPhone, an Android oh no, I got
2: No, I got a uh it's a Windows Nokia Lumia.
1: Oh. Oh
2: <laughs> Basically I just I told my wife, go shopping. I had to work on uh Saturday and she came by the store and said, Hey, I got phones I'm like, Okay, fine. <laughs> like I said, I mean I, I got I I gave up my smartphone uh, you know, about four years ago and just uh and I don't mind not having it, but I you know, this time I vowed I said I'm not gonna sit here and play on this damn phone all day like I but that was back when I'd first gotten on Twitter, first gotten on Facebook, it was social media it was a brand new thing to me. I got consumed with it and uh finally I just put it down. I was like, Hey man, this is this is just too much. You know, a computer's just fine for stuff like that but but I've just found that that uh you know I'm starting to uh, now that I've got the fishing bug I've had it for about the last half a year and I know when it warms up I'm going to be down at the coast doing some saltwater fishing and it's something that I you know I need you know for maps and and uh, just make phone calls something goes wrong and all that good stuff so I oh, broke yeah. down and
1: got they've got that sonar app that you can stick it underwater and it'll you know, tell you where the fish are, you, you might want to try it. <laughs> I <didn't.
0: laughs>
2: yeah, I figure I'll use it to, to GPS my, my good spots when I go down there. I'll get the, the longitude <laughs> and the latitude. I'll, I'll know to go because I bought myself, uh, I don't think I told you this, but uh, about a week ago I, I bought myself a kayak. I found a good crop good oh. and look, looking for a long time for a fishing kayak. and And I haven't been in a big hurry because the weather's been so cold and I'm not I'm just not one of those that, I mean, I'll go fish on the bank in the wintertime, but I have no desire to get in the water uh, whenever it's, you know, 30 to 40 degrees. And so I've been kind of taking my time. But I came across a real good deal. And uh, I went ahead and picked that up uh, last week and everything. So, yep. So you're going to go
1: kayaking in the Gulf?
2: No, no, I'm not going to go in the (laughs) Gulf. I'm going to go in the the channels, you know, in the Bay Area.
1: Right. But if I had right a good spot,
2: right. They've got a deal on the smartphone where you can, you know, you can. It's called pin in that spot. You can just drop a pin on it, and and that way I'll I'll know where to go, and uh, you know, because I'm sure I'll, you know, I'll probably be drinking some beer or something, not remember exactly how I got there. So that'll help me.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I hey, believe me, you you buy better keep you you know, get you one of those portable battery chargers. In case yeah. your g p s runs out while you're you're drinking and drinking your beer and then that way, if by the end of the day you've lost all juice, you can plug it into your instant charger and find your way back, you know otherwise be lost in the channels forever
2: well, Texas Texas law requires if you're if you're on a kayak. You have to carry. I mean, you have to have a, a life vest on board, but you also are required by law to carry a whistle. And so, if I get lost, I'll just have to blow my whistle, and somebody will come, somebody will come and get me. Oh, really?
1: I, I had no idea about that. I mean,
2: yeah. I just I just learned that yesterday that you had to have a whistle in case of a or a blowhorn. horn. You can you can take your pick.
1: Yeah, hmm. I, I know they got those uh, air compressed
2: horns.
1: You know that. Sound yeah. like a train, you uh, know. Well, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you get the jest, but, you know, they're loud enough to you where you could say it sounds like a train. Right. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I wanted, I know you had some thoughts about, you know, the subject of this Jordanian pilot, and, uh, you know, I watched. Shepard Smith's narrative about it, which is probably about as good as you could get without actually watching the video.
2: And yeah, Shepard, uh, just, Shepard Smith. Uh, I usually don't watch him very much. I've got. I mean, he's he's just one of those guys. You know, some people just not that I distrust him or anything, but I, it's just there's something about the way that he does his show that I guess maybe because I've seen everything already. You know, say say I'm off on a Tuesday. By the time his show gets there, I've already I've already been through Facebook, I've already been through Drudge, I've already seen the morning shows. You know they're on in the background and everything. So by the time he gets there, I pretty much just kind of shut him off uh, mentally. But man, when I click when I clicked on that uh, Blaze uh, link, he did. I got, kudos to that guy. I mean he he narrated a story without. Me seeing it about as best as I've seen in, in ages. I cannot remember the last time I've seen a news, a news anchor do that good of a job. I mean, he, he literally made you feel like you were there. Um, I'm not one of the. I've never watched the beheading. I know there's a bunch of them out there on the internet, and I'm not one of these people that that if I see a story that you know some the. Someone's done something horrible to somebody. I'm not going to go chase it down. It's just not my deal, you know. Uh, not that I'm. I'm uh, I mean, I can pretty much take anything. It doesn't make me squeamish, but I just, I, I it's just as personal choice. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I see what happened, but I'm not going to go look at it. But this one was different. Um, I, I did look for the video, and after going through several pages, I, I noticed that most people had cut out the entire video, and you saw pictures of it. And I don't know if I, on this one, I don't know if I agree with you. I know just a little while ago you said, you know, uh, you may not want to go watch the video, but this one, now I don't recommend it for children or anything like that, but this may be one that that people need that might actively seek out. I mean, it is a personal choice um, because I know just from listening to Shepard Smith tell the story about it, it made me mad as hell. It may, I mean, literally made me mad as hell. And... That's why, you know, I think you posted something about, about vaccines, and I was just in a mood where I was like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to talk about those vaccines. So, you know, oh, wow. only one I'm focused on right hey, now. Yeah. I, I was so so angry, you know, about about what they had done to that man. And he's, he's not even a citizen of our country. But I know that eventually, if something's not done about these people, there's going to be an American that's going to be in the exact same position that that Jordanian pilot was in.
1: Well, you know, big, big,
2: big story.
1: Yeah, at the time, I, you know, I I was a little slow on the news. I hadn't even known it, you know, what exactly had taken place. And I went back and watched the Shepard Smith video, and then I could understand why you'd be upset because I was upset, you know, after watching it and seeing some of the images on it. And, uh, Now, I think the people that could best benefit from seeing this video is the Muslim community. Because, you know, the Jordanian pilot was a devout Muslim, and if it's my understanding is that, you know, a Muslim isn't supposed to uh, kill another Muslim, you know... Uh, in the Quran if I'm not mistaken, and you know what they did to him goes beyond beyond barbarism and I can't believe that there's anything in the Quran that would now I've, I've seen some people have a different take on it that In the Quran it says, do unto your enemy exactly that, that he's done unto you and that the, you know, the things that they did were symbolic in nature, you know, of what they had done with their bombings and whatnot. But, uh, you know, the, the, the sheer barbarism, of these people standing there and, and really rejoicing at the I mean the mutilation or you know, the slow mutilation of a man stuck on on struck on fire and sit there and, and take, you know, some sort of sick satisfaction out of watching it. And let's face it, if they could do it to a Jordanian pilot, they could do it to a Saudi, they could do it to an Iraqi, a Syrian, it don't matter. Turkey, Turkish. Obviously, you know, faith doesn't matter to these people. I mean, uh, they, they are a cancer that has to be Eradicated. Now, granted, our president will not say that. Our president still pussyfoots around, will not even acknowledge the fact that ISIS is, 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 you know, radical Islamist terrorist jihadists. And first of all, if you've got, you know, someone a president who will not admit that very fact of what took place this week, you've got a problem. I mean, your country has a serious problem. And for him to get up and and basically say, well, Christians did that during the Crusades and This has been going on throughout history. You know, I've I've got, you know, if I were sitting across from the president, I'd say, Mr. President, this is not the Crusades. This is under your watch, okay? This is, you know, during your presidency. I'm assuming if you don't take action about what happened to this Jordanian pilot, that you care not about anything further, what happens to an American pilot, an American GI, uh, Americans over there who are operatives, that you care less about their welfare or their well-being. And furthermore, I think it tells me that not only will you not condemn ISIS, but that you may also be a part of ISIS because I will always be questioning you know, your relationship with the Muslim Brotherhood which what this seemed to grow out of you know, we've talked about Benghazi you know, ad nauseum and we still have it. There have been various stories leaked out about the the weapons did indeed in come from uh, Libya, you know, going into Syria. You know, we're, we're not really even real sure whose hands they fell into. Uh, I can pretty much rest assured they probably fell in the hands of eventually ISIS, uh, operatives or ISIS soldiers over there, but uh, the latest I have heard is that uh, okay, Jordan is you know as soon as they got the word out, they executed two ISIS prisoners. Uh, they ramped up their air force and they started flying sorties over into Syria. Into Iraq, and then uh, the U.S. is saying, "Well, you must have some confusion. You haven't been flying sorties, you know, over in Iraq." But I don't care who their space they're in. The fact is that it takes Jordan, you know, to go over there and do it. (laughs) With supposedly, we've got allies who are over there doing the very same thing, obviously, we've got very, pardon my French, very shitty intelligence as to where they're located, or it's not having much of an impact on ISIS. I mean, if you look at the map, Syria right now is about two-thirds ISIS or ISIS-occupied. Uh, uh, so they don't like that much Eventually taking over the whole country. Now, as far as, you know, hard-line hard in-the-trenches, you know, soldiers, if you can call them that, uh, I've heard numbers of 40,000, some, you know, maybe more, but... Uh, what concerns me more than anything is the type of armament they have. And part of that I know is U.S., U.S., NATO. Uh, I'm sure part of it is, is Russian, and part of it is probably Iranian. And, you know, the, I'll put it this way. ISIS has a supply line. And the question is,
0: what
1: what is that supply line? Where is it coming from and how can you cut it off? And that's the question that I'm sure King Abdullah is asking that we should be asking is that how do we keep ISIS from getting any more sophisticated than they already are? In other words, how can we begin cutting the head off the snake? And can't really answer that question. I don't know. I don't think there's anyone, at least within our administration, that will be forthcoming that can tell you. I can I can assure you of that. But uh, you know, this is having. Hey, if anything is beginning to show this this president's true colors it's this incident that just happened this week if people don't begin to understand who exactly they've got in office now then they'll never understand because you know don't talk to me about Islamophobia don't talk to me about all this uh, Islamofascism Islamophobia when you will sit there and watch this being done to the same people you're asking me to brother up to, and you won't insist that your president will go over there and eradicate these people. I mean, it's obvious that human life means little or nothing to them. Uh, last I heard they were crucifying children, burying children alive, uh God knows what else. I mean, you know, they 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 make uh, the butcher of Baghdad and, and American Sniper look like a Goldilocks. Uh and these people, I mean but let's face it, they're, they are the face of evil. And, you know, if our president don't step up and at least say, hey, we need to stand with Abdullah and follow his lead, that tells me that he has no intentions of eradicating ISIS. It never has had intentions of eradicating ISIS. So, uh, Dr. Frankenstein has created one hell of a monster there, Mr. POTUS. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, what else could it be? There's no other explanation. You know, if someone could come up with another explanation, I'd be glad to hear it. Because I I can't come up with another explanation, so know uh, it's it's uh it it's something else. But the thing too, it from me I've got nasal congestion. <laughs> but but what, what's uh the thing is too is that uh, while this is going on, we see the dollars in a real state of flux. We, you see, uh, well, we've he- I've heard today that uh, unemployment figures among American workers are as low as they have been at some time. However, uh, according to the White House figures, that we have, uh, you know, increased our employment numbers and everything is beginning to look lovely again. But what they don't tell you is that the people who are gaining employment are the illegals who cross the border. <laughs> you know, and what's worse than that, I heard today, that these illegals who cross the border and are getting jobs are not going to be paying income tax. They're going to be given tax incentives or tax breaks. Actually, we're going to be paying them, you know, earned income tax credits, which, you know, that's great. You and I are going to be paying extra taxes so we can pay them taxes or pay them our taxes they don't pay. So, you know, it just goes on and on and on with this president. I mean, it it doesn't stop. And I would like to think that with the Republican Congress now, that was the – everyone said, oh, it's going to be lovely. we got a Republican Congress, blah, 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 blah. Which, you know, wishful thinking. But uh, my understanding is, is that some of them aren't going to vote for the complete repeal of Obamacare, they're going to vote for, you know, repeal it until we can come up with um, a compromise. And I don't know about you, I don't want a damn compromise. Because uh, compromise isn't going to work. Because then, first of all, you can't have a health care. The you cannot have a health care system created that does not involve those who work in health care. Which is exactly what uh Barack Obama tried to do and that as uh, uh Zeke Emanuel uh tried to do is come up with a quote complete live system without the um uh, the help or assistance of those working directly in health care. Of course except himself. Keep in Emanuel is a uh M D, but he's also, I believe, uh an egghead. He's not a practicing M D he just sits in the college and writes books. But uh you know, I'd be curious to hear your take on that. My life blow my nose,
2: go ahead, <laughs> okay, go ahead man yeah the the Republicans, you know once again they they make all the promises in the world during election time, and then when it comes time to get something done uh they're they start waffling around. I'm not surprised by this one bit, uh, you gotta remember, they are in d c and and uh they love those tax dollars. They just have different ways of of uh, presenting it to the to the public in general, as far as the way they get them. Um, but yeah, this this uh, I want to get back to the ISIS uh, situation and and, jo- and the Jordanian pilot. Um, the funny thing, and I know this has been reported, but ever since we got into dropping bombs and you know the planes flying over and supposedly killing the ISIS, uh, you know rebels and. Or terrorists, or savages, whatever word you want to use, they keep growing in size. I mean, the U.S. military's planes are supposedly above their heads shooting at them, and they keep growing They're out there in the middle of the desert. Uh, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, I honestly don't think Barack Obama wants ISIS to go away. I think it's, well, I think it's a big part of his plan. Uh, as far as disrupting the Middle East. And I don't know, I'm not going to tell you, I know the whole plan, but I think it's a part of his and Valerie Jarrett's plan. And uh, they they love them some chaos, man. They love it. And you got to remember, well, go yeah. back, I think Joanne's listening, you know, let's go back to the Middle East. I will never forget when Joanne found old Wade Rathke. And right during the, during the uh, Egyptian... Uh what did they call that? Uh something spring. I can't remember the name yeah. of it now. Yeah. Uh, whenever all these the groups right. Yeah. Sure enough, that, that dude from, from Acorn uh had a, his office was was in Egypt right in the middle of that stuff and he literally changed his contact information within hours to New Orleans, Louisiana. And so they've got their people over there in the Middle East, uh, disrupting and causing chaos whenever they can. And I don't think we're going to find out anytime soon, but later on down the road, I would not be surprised if all of a sudden we start seeing White House ties to ISIS mm-hmm. leaders um, that just it's just a guess, you know, but we're not wrong too much on things.
1: Uh, no, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, well, there's going to be great. Revelations coming forth. Uh, I think within the next two years, there's going to be things coming out that can no longer be hidden. Uh, you know, the the question is: the, is our Congress, which doubtfully at this point will take any action that they could constitutionally to uh, the closest that I've heard is is. Uh, Censoring, or or what do they call it? Uh, cloture, or something like that, uh, where they basically slap him on the wrist, say, "Bad, bad Obama, don't do that." Uh, but as far as impeachment proceedings, forget it. That you know, it'll never happen. Uh, the one thing that I would hope they would do. Is uh, take his damn pens away from him. He can't, you know, issue any more executive orders or executive memos, which I found out the other day the difference. I don't remember if it was on television or maybe on Joanne's show that the the executive memorandum actually holds about the. Same power as the executive order. That they're almost born in the same. That he can call it an executive memorandum, uh, and you know it doesn't sound so bad. But it's pretty much, you know, the same thing carries the same weight. But uh, you know, I would wish that someone would certainly challenge him on this. And also, too, you know, uh, not to change the subject, but I want to go back to the vaccines for a moment because I heard today that uh, there was a whistleblower that was working at the CDC that came out and actually uh, said that they had found, you know, evidence in the lab in testing that the the vaccines were indeed to be tied to autism and that they were told to suppress it. And which that adds a whole other equation to, you know, the WHO and the CDC and this big media hype about uh, vaccinations. And... The first question you've got to ask yourself is that, you know, measles, you know, measles is not something common at all. Measles were was at one time supposedly eradicated, period, maybe not from immigrants coming into the country, Uh, that would have had to have been the only way, and then of course someone who had not supposedly been vaccinated but okay here's the kicker is that uh, we've got biotech now involved in the manufacture of vaccines and one of the biggest biotech companies out there who's working closely with the government is one Joanne knows Uh, very well is synthetic genomics which is Craig J. Venter and of course they hold several patents on you know measles, rubella uh, what's the other one Uh, uh, cholera yeah and we have to ask ourselves Why, let's see, there's a school in California now, it's a college, I believe, that is requiring their students now to have mandatory vaccinations. Okay, and I I saw this coming is that uh, vaccinations will become mandatory for your children. You will not have a choice on whether or not your children get vaccinated, they will have to be vaccinated to go to a public school. Uh, eventually, healthcare workers will have to be vaccinated in order to continue their employment working in health care. And eventually, they'll force employers in order to receive any sort of subsidies or assistance with... Uh, incentivizing health care for those employers, they will have to insist that their employees get vaccinated. Now, you know, the one thing that has troubled me, and I don't want to stay on this subject for long because I know there's so much so much other stuff going on. But the thing that really troubles me about vaccines is the mass marketing of vaccinations. And I haven't ever seen, at least in my lifetime, uh, vaccines being mass marketed like they are now. It's like uh, every corner drugstore, you know, you get your flu vaccines now. Here it is, you know, uh, May, June, or July of the summer before they even know what the strain is going to be that's going to be coming into the fall and and the winter. Uh, And they're making, of course, that we find out later that the vaccination for this flu was, you know, the wrong strain. And so those who did get a flu vaccination, which I wasn't one of them, you may want to go back and ask yourself what exactly now did they just stick in my arm? Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, I told my GP, my doctor, I said, look, you know, I don't want no, I don't want a flu vaccination. First of all, I don't know what's in it. Uh, and, you know, Raj, well, she said, well, it's egg cultures. I said, most no, not. they don't use egg cultures anymore. Uh, they're, they're using synthet- synthetic vaccines. And, the, you know, the same thing, well, vaccines are going to be synthetic probably from now on. Uh, but here's the kicker. Uh, it all goes back to Bill Gates and because Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation is very much uh, involved with this vaccination program. And it goes back to his TED talk about overpopulation versus vaccination and you know vaccinations in uh developing countries and at the same time overpopulation so you can't have it both ways you you can't be promoting vaccination on the one hand and saying well we have overpopulation on the other it just don't it don't match. It, it's a it's it's a paradox. It, it, it's two opposing sides in the same argument. They just they don't come together. And you know that, that was the whole thing about you know the vaccines. And I saw the government getting involved in that that is when I got very concerned about that was where they were going to go. That was the next step was, uh, the mandatory vaccines. And that is coming. I can assure you. It just has to be the right epidemic, the right pandemic. Uh, let's see the hive mind, which one night we'll have to discuss, uh, the hive mind, uh, psychosocial programming, get into this, you know, neat, good stuff about behavioral modification and, you know, psychosocial behavior and how they use uh, different instruments and elements to create groupthink. You know, in other words, if I can influence If I could throw out uh, enough panic to the masses and then tell them I have a magical cure over here that will, a secret elixir that will prevent you from getting sick, then chances are you're going to jump right on board, if not for yourself, but for the sake of your children, and you're going to go ahead and And, you know, take the plunge and let them do it. And this technique, and we really need to, you know, have a show completely dedicated to the use of psychosocial behaviorists uh, and how it is used in the White House in terms of influencing behavior uh, because they have the best of the best working within the administration trying to influence, you know, group think, uh, just like they did in Ferguson. You know, when you have that uh, basically pillaging uh, in Ferguson, which started out with, uh, you know, basically just a few, and then, uh, yeah, it started out with, uh, a few comments from the mother, and then just enough to cause tensions to escalate, and then the father got up, or stepfather got up there, and then said, you know, which he still should be held liable, in my opinion, you know, burn the bitch down, burn the bitch down, quote, unquote, and, You know, that's exactly what they did. They burnt the bitch down. Uh, But you'll never see anything come out of it. And come to find out, later on, the governor of Missouri uh, told the guard to stand down. In other words, the guard was not deployed when, uh, you know, the officer uh Wilson, I believe was his name, was was acquitted. So they knew there was going to be potential civil unrest. Matter of fact, found out later that uh Soros had thrown money into these groups uh that were promoting civil unrest. So in a way, maybe not to the same extreme, but we have Our own ISIS here in the United States, but, you know, we can't say it's of the same kind of what we have over in the Middle East, at least not yet. But I can assure you what they have going on in Europe now uh, will come to the... Matter of fact, it's already here in the U.S. It's just... It hasn't reared its ugly head. And... We've probably got factions... in... I would say... every mosque... at least one or two... radical individuals... who would be willing... to carry out... such anus acts... Uh, definitely... in the uh boston area uh every major metropolitan area you have mosques that have that are teaching radicalism and is not is is being completely overlooked by this administration and the question is is uh how how much recruiting active recruiting do we have going on on the part of ISis in these communities because ISIS has a far reach they have a pretty sophisticated uh, program in terms of their reach to to particularly young people, wayward young people and of course social media is a big part of it uh, I'm sure working with uh, mosque is another big part of it. And question is, how you know, about the administration? And how about elements within the administration? And, you know, which brings me to a question, is why did, after this Jordanian pilot, pilot incident happen, did Barack Obama have a closed-door meeting with uh, high-up Muslim clerics here within the U.S. Of course, we don't know what was discussed. It was closed door. But the rumor is it wasn't to discuss, you know, what happened to the Jordanian pilot. It was discussing how to keep, you know, Islamophobia or... Retribution acts to a minimum against Muslims here at the United States. You know, at least that's what you know the rumor was. But uh, that's just it. We we had no transparency within this government. We we do know that uh, he has befriended the Muslim Brotherhood. We do know that he has def- uh, defended the same Muslim Brotherhood that uh, created the Arab Spring, that later uh, the Arab Spring was found to be too radical for Egypt, and eventually they were pretty much tossed out on their ear. And then we had the Libyan Spring, I suppose, in which, you know, we we had Stevenson and the other two, three CIA uh, agents and one new contractor who were killed. Uh, We do know for sure weapons. U.S. weapons were coming into Benghazi. Uh, We know Turkey and Qatar were involved as proxies in running those arms. And you know, and also now we found out today, as a matter of fact, I, I heard this today, and it was confirmed, is that Saudi Arabia was deeply involved in funding uh, the 9-11 hijackers. Okay, we all knew that. All right, now, how about letting us see those twenty seven or forty three pages that had been redacted uh that was supposed to be redacted for uh national national security interests of course, you know if you've read some of the 911 eleven commission report you've already you already know
0: <laughs>
1: i mean the Saudis were heavily involved i mean you didn't see anybody. Uh, any money coming from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, or any other Arab country, it was all coming from Saudi Arabia. I mean, I would love to know the number of times Saudi Arabia was mentioned in the 9-11 commission report. And that's one of the biggest problems we've got. We've got to call a spade a spade. Okay? we We can't, play with Saudi Arabia anymore if they are funding radical Islam in any shape, form, or fashion. We've got to basically, you know, if we're going to extinguish this flame of radical Islam, we've got to call it out. You know, and that, that's basically my rant for <laughs> So if you want to rant, go ahead. Come go ahead. on, catch you, Brett.
0: That was
2: quite a rant, yes, sir. <clears throat> oh, thank you. I I'll
1: probably yeah, Saudi- for, like, Let me get some tea. Yeah, you know,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, go you know ahead. it's one thing we haven't talked about today, and it's it's making its way around the internet pretty fast. Is uh, and going back to vaccines, where you know you're talking about. Uh, group think. Well, I noticed last night, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, my days off and I never watch local news. Uh, my wife likes to watch it whenever she gets home. So on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm usually watching local news and then the evening news, you know, as well. And Brian Williams started first story of the day was vaccines. His last story of the day was him apologizing on air last night. And it was just a horrible, I don't know if you've seen the apology, uh, but it was pretty horrible. Uh, and there's documentation by some of these guys who were in, in his uh, Chinook, you know, with him, things that they had, I mean, this, he didn't, you know, I mean, I know you and I never believe this, but he, there was no way he misremembered because these guys over the years have been calling him out on a regular basis and they've got the documentation to prove it because they're getting tired of him talk telling the stupid story over and over. But uh, it's just kind of funny how he makes his apology the very last thing before he goes off the air, but it's the main story today. Top of the news, and that's a you know Brian Williams is considered amongst the elitist liberals, the best of the best. You know, if you really think about who they think in their own minds is the best anchor out there, I think Brian Williams you know, is probably the choice. Uh, you know, in today's news, and that guy is a complete idiot now, and the internet is just flooded with with uh, I mean some really funny things, uh, but it's pretty sad that. That you have any i mean that guy should be fired right now there there's no doubt I mean you're that big of a of an anchor man in in the news world, and you continue a lie for over a decade and you get and your covers blown oh no, you need to be gone because all, all credibility is now gone, but that's not how the liberal media works. they protect their own they will circle the wagons, and I honestly don't believe that he's gonna see any repercussions at all uh, through this, what do you think?
1: No, uh, I, I don't think anything uh, happened because of it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I wish that it would simply because uh, you know he certainly. Uh, I mean, on on the basis of those troops that are over there in the field alone the fact that he uh, misrepresented NBC News, he misrepresented himself, and he also misrepresented the men and women in uniform. So, uh, you know, it's upsetting to me that Brian Williams would... Uh, be willing to go any further, based on. Okay, look, it's like what I was heard today. Someone was talking about. You can't. If if your helicopter was shot down, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it, it's not. You can't put that into the fog of war. Now, if you were, if you. If this was your, like Chris Kyle, if this was your third, fourth tour in Iraq, uh, you spent maybe all in all, you know, two or three years over there on deployment, maybe four. Uh, you can't, you know, you you can honestly say that details get lost in the fog of war because your exposure may have been so much, there was so much stimuli going on that you couldn't recall specifics. I mean, let's face it, when you're running for your life, you know, or running for cover, uh, there's certain details you don't tend to notice. But in this case, where Brian Williams said that he was in a helicopter that was shot down, you know, basically uh, sensationalizing a story in which she was involved. I mean, it was the exact damn same thing that Hillary Clinton uh, did with, uh Croatia. She did the exact same thing. Right. Remember when she said she got off the helicopter and uh she started having bullet bullets fly all you know all around her, and uh how unsettling that was well
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh for Brian Williams to be you know to have any respectability as a journalist, number one it has to be accurate and what called him out on it, which you know that that brings me to another point, like I said we've got. So many things coming at us at different angles, and uh, we've got this net neutrality thing that's been tossed around. And, you know, I hear one one minute they're going to take a vote on it, next minute, you know, I hear that uh, they're still discussing it, and I hear they're going to take a vote on it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to believe uh, from what I understand. In a nutshell, what it means is that uh, eventually what it means, each individual will have to pay a tax. Well, probably what it will ultimately be, you'll have to pay for the amount of bandwidth that you use uh, from your provider. Uh, in other words, that cost will be passed on to you, the consumer, because your your internet service provider will be having to pay penalties and fees based on their usage of the Internet. And, of course, their usage of the Internet will also include sending all your data to the NSA. Oh, sure. (laughs) You know, so, uh, because your data just doesn't go one way. I mean, just because you send it somewhere doesn't mean it gets to the destination where it's going It's going to go through the NSA and then perhaps get there where it's going. But, uh, you know, which brings me to another thing. Uh, Anthem Anthem Blue Cross. Uh, Anthem, which is, you know, big, big insurance carrier. Uh, Matter of fact, I was on Anthem at one time. Uh, They suspect about 80 million people had their identity stolen uh, from Anthem today, which was, you know, that was one of the big news stories today that Anthem had stolen all those identities, in which, you know, that including that was including uh, present, uh, you know, uh, people insured through Anthem, and also past. So, meaning that we're very well could be uh, me and Susan. So, you know, the other thing that's going on, it looks like we got uh, Yellen of the Federal Reserve. She's uh, lashing out at Rand Paul for even suggesting, uh, you know, a the transparency with the Federal Reserve or auditing the Federal Reserve because, of course, if we know the Federal Reserve books, uh, let's face it, you know, they haven't probably been keeping adequate records, you know, since their inception. They probably haven't been keeping records at all. uh, But, you know that's neither here nor there. And, you know, also Carol and I have talked about this at least, is uh, if if the U.S. economy ever does, you know, take a hit, the dollar does uh, finally reach its end, then, you know, what will happen... And granted, I think this will happen first, is that uh, the Federal Reserve will no longer be needed. And here is how I think that's going to play out. Uh, The Federal Reserve, okay, Congress will vote for the Federal Reserve to be audited. Okay, they're going to find major misdoing, you know, every reason in the world to uh, abolish the Fed. Okay, Meaning that now the Federal Reserve has been abolished which now potentially and probably will turn over uh, control to the IMF. And we had said this for some time that when the Fed goes the IMF will step in to take its place. Now uh the IMF as well as uh China Russia Brazil uh India I don't know uh, necessarily how much Brazil but India the BRICS countries have been buying tons of gold uh simply because they know that the next economy is not going to be based on the value of the dollar, but it will be based on the value of gold, something intrinsic in value. So, meaning that the dollar is going to be left out in the cold uh, where we're, you know, we have all this for now and we have all this paper in circulation, uh, what's going to happen if Yellen, before then, if she, and David Buckner also verified this, that if Yellen raises interest rates just just even a fraction, she raises interest rates. And, you know, all those all that money starts rushing back in to the system, and now you've got more money coming in than you have goods on the shelf, so immediately that that creates you know deflation and inflation uh in terms of goods and services, and that's one of the points we tried to make when you know, gas was a dollar eighty five a gallon, uh you know, dollar ninety four gallon that uh goods and service were not following it. In other words, don't start celebrating till you start seeing the price of milk go down, till you start seeing the price of uh, produce and eggs and everything else go down. Uh then you can start celebrating. But now with the steel workers, particularly the refineries going on strike, meaning that raw crude now coming into the States cannot be refined, uh, you could be looking at, uh, you know, very easily 5 and $6 a gallon of gasoline in a very short period of time depending on uh, what goes on with OPEC. But, uh, you know, and it again uh, tells us that America, you know, screw screw all these solar panels and wind machines and surf machines. I mean, you know... The technology is not there yet. Granted, in 15, 15 years, they'll they'll probably be able to do what Tesla envisioned is, you know, pull it out of thin air. And I'm sure somebody will come along and figure that out. And uh, you probably, you know, won't even have to depend on utilities or utility companies. Uh, it's kind of like 3D printing. You know, uh, 3D printing has turned the world upside down in terms of its capability. And I, don't, I don't know if you've ever... Have you seen the 3D uh, Springfield 1911 pistol? No, sure I haven't. Well, it is... Man, it's awesome because it's totally made out of hard cast aluminum or a steel. In other words, there, there's no dies. You don't have to take molten metal and pour it into a die to to make the bore and the casing. And but it's you know made with a 3D printer, and it is a completely working model that looks identical to what you can buy on the shelf and was made with a 3D printer. And with that kind of technology, I mean, now imagine what that does for, you know, and, you know, every every other piece of metal that you can think of, replacement parts or, uh inventions potentially that you could do with 3d printing that can uh, basically print out cast iron without having to have dyes created to make them
2: uh
1: it it changed
2: how much of those how much of those 3d printers going for i really don't know a whole lot about them i mean i've seen things here and there on the internet <clears throat> What's what's the price?
1: Well the the commercial models can run anywhere from ten to twenty thousand but you know, we're talking about big machines. And the retail ones can run anywhere from uh you know, I think eight eight hundred to maybe two to three thousand depending on what you buy now. Uh Some of them have, uh, you know, replicators, which what they'll do, they'll do a 3D scan, you know, 300 or actually 180 degree scan of the object you want to replicate, and then it will print out that object as it was scanned. And what it does is it creates, you know, if you're familiar with... uh, AutoCAD or any computer aided design program where uh you use models, uh, for instance, uh gears or camshafts where it shows the working parts and you know, you can break it down. Uh it's the same thing with this type of technology. You you work with models. Matter of fact, there's a website that has Uh, nothing but models that you can go and download and you can probably print to your heart's content. You know, if you've got the money to pay for the resin because it takes a very hard cast resin uh, to do it. What it does is it it melts the resin uh, then, you know, forms the design based on the the model that is being printed and then when it's cooled i mean
2: oh, you've yeah. got uh, Re- yeah. the reason i i mean i heard you know you heard you talking about the gun and, or the pistol and everything and and uh i went to bass pro shops around christmas time and they have a couple of companies. One of them is called YoZuri, and the other one is called uh, Wait. They have YoZuri, Live Target, and I can't think of the other ones. But what these guys are doing, I spent. I got a gift card for Christmas, and and uh, so I spent a little more than I usually would. You know, I'm pretty when I go shopping for something, I'm going to look for a good deal on. It on my you know lures and all that good stuff, but I said, well, you know, I've got this gift card I'm, and I've been reading about these they're uh they call them three d holographic uh shrimp three d holographic minnows, but man my, you ought to see what that what they can do with these lures i mean i paid i think the highest I paid was thirteen ninety nine for one it's a shrimp uh it's about four and a half inches long and it's made by a company out of Japan, and they use that three d technology it's about as close to a to a real shrimp as I've ever seen, it is absolutely just beautiful, and I can't wait to throw that thing in the water. But I was curious about how much I was curious how much those printers were, you know, because I'm going, oh, might be I to want to learn some technology now if I can make my own. But ten to fifteen grand, well, that's a lot of, a lot of lures well, no, money. Now keep one.
0: in mind, <laughs> keep
1: in mind, now it's it, it's it's a new technology, and okay. as if it gets. Uh, more popular the the price will oh, become cheaper and cheaper. Yep. And, and within the next five or ten years, I mean they're already printing prosthesis out, you know, as far as uh ears, you know, arms, legs, you know, for amputees. Uh right. but it will be eventually where they can print out organic material, you know, for the replacement of a hand you know with uh with all the working parts right and right. then potentially can uh and this technology I'm talking about you know how far in the future is it it probably isn't as far in the future as you might think cuz uh you know where technologically we're at a period in in time where Things are going to be moving so fast, you know. You know, uh, you're familiar with that guy, Kurt uh, Weisel, is I believe is his name. He's the uh, art- artificial. Okay, he's the artificial intelligence uh, lead at uh, at uh, Google, and. He says probably within the next five to ten years that artificial intelligence will, you know, get to a point where uh, machines can uh, basically learn themselves to where man is not even needed, you know. In other words, jobs will be potentially totally taken, not by immigrants – by technology. In other words, the whole paradigm of you know how we uh do business, exchange goods and services will change uh, where uh human beings are no longer no longer needed. You'll need you jail. You'll need people to program and plug in all this you know, AI material into these machines. Uh, I mean, really, it's the Terminator scenario potentially coming to life where the machines get to a point where, you know, why do we need man? Man, we no longer need man any longer. They're they're just getting in the way. I mean, they're inferior,
2: (laughs) you know. And I wonder. If, I wonder if they're going to take over my my uh, profession, which is sales. I wonder if people are going to bitch at the robots and tell them, tell them their sob stories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's uh, well, call, well automobiles automobiles will will I, I can always see a, a place for you know you sales where you'll have to have. Uh, individuals who uh, you know make direct contact with customers now in the future I can see where I don't have to have to come to your showroom that I can uh, you know do a teleconference
0: and
1: perhaps you can show me a piece of furniture and even augmented, you know, using augmented reality with uh, 3D holography. And, you know, I, I could be able to visualize it. And you could turn around 3D, you know, show me the different colors and patterns. And then, in other words, you could walk me around the showroom without me having to come to the showroom. Right. And I see that coming in the very near future.
2: Yeah that, yeah, that technology. Yeah, that that technology is pretty pretty far advanced, you know, as compared to some other some other uh, technologies, you know, as far as the three D oh, yeah. uh, imaging of heck. When did when did Tupac come back from the dead and and have his concert? That was what three or four years ago. Yeah. Well,
1: it, it's. Uh, that, they call that augmented reality where basically they can uh, they can project a 3D holographic image that looks as real as the subject being there himself. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a couple of speeches out on YouTube, one with Richard Branson, and I hate to say it, one with even Al Gore, you know, the environmental whore. <laughs> but uh, you know it's it's fascinating technology a matter of fact, they even have apps on iPhones that make use of augmented technology where you don't have to have any sort of special glasses, or anything like that uh but you can interact with augmented technology, you know looking through your video uh of so basically, your living room floor, and you can see a dinosaur running across it or whatever. And it's it's wild stuff. Matter of fact, they, uh, at Beck, at the, the Blaze Studios, they did a 3D-arama, uh, basically living history. It was a, a totally living history a diorama where you were on the ships, on the amphibious ships, when they landed on the beaches of Normandy, and when those gates opened, you were actually one of the soldiers who were getting out on those gates, and you could, or on those, uh, on that gate when it opened up, you could look 360 degrees and look beside you, in front of you. You know, you could hear the, the shots go by and, you know, see people getting killed beside you, and supposedly it was so realistic that, you know, had experienced that, it, it may not be recommended for you. You know, it's kind of like same scene that was in Saving Private Ryan, except the uh, you were you were living it to some degree. Right. But, uh, you know, technology is is, is going to run away with this. And I mean, you know, it, it's going to run... A, well, put it this way. The older generation is going to get left behind. I mean, because, uh, you know, they can't catch up. The kids who have been playing the Xboxes and... The smartphones and you know been used to this, this technology ever since they were five six years old. Uh, they'll never they won't have a problem adapting to it. It's it's just going to be the the elderly that will have a problem adapting to. I mean it's getting to the point now you can't even uh, do billing transactions or payment transactions unless you do them through the computer. I mean, and I'm not saying that's true with everybody, but a lot of them are trying to push their clients into uh, making payments through the computer as opposed to sending out paper statements with postage. Right. Simply Because from a cost uh, standpoint, it, it's so much cheaper. But... uh you know, yeah
2: I'll tell you my buddy uh back home he coaches uh boys baseball he coaches there he coaches baseball football soccer uh he's got a couple of i think i know one of his boys is nine I think the other one's ten or eleven years old and he was having a little fundraiser back home and these little kids man they're some good ball players uh man they just they kick butt and, and uh, so he had a little fundraiser deal he put it up on Facebook and I said, well bobby i'll send you. I'll send you some money. Uh, just you know, private message me your your uh, address, and then I'll send you a check. Well, I went to write that check, and I looked to see the last check that I wrote. Mike, the last check that I wrote out of my checkbook was three years ago.
1: Yeah,
0: man, that was 2012, man.
1: That is the same argument as to why money is gonna eventually go entirely digital because we're becoming into you know we're we're getting trained into using a digitized currency already where we don't deal in cash and we don't deal in checks or writing checks any no longer. Uh it's
2: a uh they might
1: they
2: might Real quick, yeah. I'm going to call you. I'm going to call back in on the uh, other line, on my other line, because my battery is about to die. So keep on talking. I'm okay. going to call in, in just, just a second, okay? Okay.
1: All right, sure. But anyway, as we were going to tell uh, Brent, is that we're getting to a point that uh, the technology is changing so fast, and I think this year most credit card carriers are going to be introducing. The EMV chip, which is uh, the next step for the next generation uh, of a digitized currency. So, you know the the you, know, you had your Max chip, you know before, and uh, they say the digitized chip is going to be used to prevent, of course, credit card fraud. Yeah, you know, if uh they say it's good for the customer because uh, in the old days they would uh they would say, you know, swipe for me is swipe for the store, swipe for me is swipe for the store. In other words all you had to do is have uh you can buy a card swipe on eBay for ten bucks, plug it into your phone and swipe it into your account, you know. If you are a retailer, I, I don't advise you to do that. Uh, but I mean, there are some people who have actually done that. <laughs> uh, where they, what I was saying, Brent, is where uh, the retailer, you know, behind the cash register, when they go to make a swipe of somebody's credit card. They've got the swipe on their iPhone, and then they've also had the swipe, you know, of course, on the cash register. So they do a, a swipe for transaction to me, a swipe for transaction uh, to the merchant, to the store. Right. So you know, it's it's not uncommon. And now, you know, they they did have the uh, RFID, which you know. Uh, The thing about the RFID, RFID has a transponder, okay? A transponder is nothing more than a a transmitter, and it transmits data. And what would happen is that people would have a device or laptop, uh, and they would walk within, you know, close proximity to an individual And they could basically sniff out your credit card information through RFID without you even knowing it. You would have no clue it ever happened. And next thing you know, they've stolen your identity. They've stolen your credit card. They've pretty much wiped you clean, uh, especially your debit card, Uh, you know, Credit cards you can dispute now and usually uh, not be responsible. Debit cards, you know, different story. You're going to have a hard time with a debit card, but uh, the uh, now they've got the RFID proof casings or wallets that you can use that will uh, block RFID from being transmitted where say like if you're tra- good device if you're traveling in an airport, it is a good idea to have one of these r f i d blocking devices for that very reason is that there may be someone sniffing out you know your r f i d uh strip or if r f i d is actually built into your card and uh, you'll you'll know if it does. Like if you go to Hardee's and you just touch your card to that little black device that uh, has like a wireless symbol on it, and it you don't have to hand it to the cashier, and it just makes the transaction right there without anyone handling the card. Uh, then you you've got RFID on that card, and. RFID is the next generation. Matter of fact, RFID uh, one of the biggest problems they have had is the transponder uh, generating, you know, cancer in mice, and uh, they haven't quite come up with a way with safety features for RFID as far as implantation into. Individuals, but it's coming.
2: Well, did you see that company in Sweden that has successfully done that?
1: Oh yeah, there's been uh, several companies that have have done that and tried it, and uh, the one of the most critical things about the healthcare bill passing was to get this technology introduced into the patient. In other words, uh, when you go to the emergency room, uh, your, your entire medical history, including your drugs, uh, you know, as far as your tests that you may have had—MRIs, uh, CAT scans, X-rays—are all contained on this chip, or EMR or EHR uh, electronic health records. And all the doctor has to do is just uh, take it, swipe it, you know, boom. If you're unconscious, he's got your, number one, he's got your ID. He's got your complete medical history. He's got your next to kin. He's got, you know, everything he needs to know about you. Now, that sounds great. Sounds good. But here's where we get into the part where, you know, how is banking handled? You know, in other words, uh, say, for instance, you know, Brent, uh, you haven't made a satisfactory payment on your Obama health care insurance. Well, I'm going to go in electronically into your chip, and I'm just going to take it out. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna deduct it. Yeah, you know, and we're not talking money anymore. It would be uh, it would be like currency with with units. In other words, uh, the way it would be determined is is like units of measure. In other words, you would be paid for an eight-hour day with with uh, units of measure for that eight hours. And, you know, as far as banks, well, that chip would really be uh, your bank. That would be where you hold, uh, you know, that would be where you hold your monies. And the only bank would be, you know, the bank that goes into that chip, either puts it in or takes it out. So... It's that's
2: when it gets scary. Is when somebody yeah, that, that uh, company in Sweden I was talking about, it's like they have the they have the chip implanted in their bodies. Um I don't know the name of the company. I'm sure I could find it on the internet, but in order to get in the door, they scan that little chip inside their arm. Uh and oh, in order yeah, to, they would to that. and pay for some food, that's what they have to use. Everything comes directly off of that chip.
1: Mhm. That is the well, thing think
2: those employees think it's the greatest thing ever.
1: Well, the, the Swedes probably would. I mean, you know, uh, right. after all they they have the Swedish bank, so and they pretty much have the IMF, so you know, it, it would figure they would love it. But yep. uh you know, the the scary part about well, the the iPhone or the whole the concept of smartphones is basically the predecessors of that very idea. Uh, the only thing about the iPhone is that you may not cure it everywhere you go, or you may forget it. And you've got to have a device that you have with you at at all times. So that's where these these implants come in. And, of course, with these implants, also comes you know g p s uh they can locate your longitudinal, longitudinal latitudinal coordinates uh anywhere anytime, any place you know there's nothing you can do and be assured of complete privacy and by that time, you know they can already you know if they want to, come into your home network, into your computer, activate your camera, and sit there and watch, you know, uh, hopefully not, you know, you and the missus or you and your family interact with each other. You know, you've heard stories where the baby monitors where people's (laughs) voices start coming in over the baby monitors and it's, you know, some unknown person who's hacked into someone's network and uh started talking to the baby and the parents freak out of course and you know that that's what I'm saying is the technology is such as it's you know it, it it's a double edged sword, and you have to ask yourself, are we are we really a generation of people collectively that can handle these kind of advances in technology? I mean, it's really an important question. Can we really be held or hold ourselves responsible enough with that kind of power? You know, is our ethics, you know, are we ethical? enough to be entrusted with that kind of power. It's a
2: and good question. we have, it's, oh, w- I, would answer we have I, I would answer with a no we're not just because well, of the I, uh I, the la- there's there's just there's just such a lack of true caring about people in in certain in certain areas, you know, that I think it, I think it would work in work in certain areas, uh, other areas, no, I don't. I really don't.
1: Well, plus, too, a lot of the higher college institutions are not uh, teaching this in the colleges, are not covering uh, ethics in the colleges pertaining to high technology. In other words, it becomes... You know you have a certain breed of individual who loves the idea of transhumanism or the transhumanist where uh you incorporate high technology with the individual which they become more than human and they 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 are some of the ones that they look forward to this technology. And I've seen interviews with some of the people that are behind developing it. And, you know, they they would be asked a question where, you know, like the uh, dealing with quantum physics, okay? For instance, uh, where they're, they're crashing neutrinos or electrons together to create neutrinos. And... You know, the, they'll ask them about, aren't, aren't you concerned about perhaps creating a wormhole? Do you know what the effects of this may be? And they'll they'll just look at them and say, well, no, not really. Then why are you doing it? And they'll look at them and say, because we can.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, because we can't do it. <laughs> It doesn't matter what happens. It's just because we can't. You know, it's just like uh, cloning. You know, if they decide to clone uh, a, a baby or an individual, it's, you know, it's because they can do it. And, you know, and now it's to the point, well, okay, here here's probably one of the biggest developments that is actually in the works now, and they haven't got it perfected, but I can assure you, probably within the next ten years it will be completely possible is that they will be able to uh insert a device and be able to download all your memories, all your life experiences, all the knowledge that you've accumulated within your years, and then upload it as data into a computer, into a computer database. And uh, say, for instance, you want to go and find out, uh, you know, You want to learn everything that Stephen Hawking knows about uh, particle physics. Well, you can go download the contents of his brain and then pretty much have all the knowledge that he has for particle physics. I mean, you know, and it's the same, if you watch The Matrix, it's the same type scenario. Is where you basically can be plugged in uh be downloaded, and then uh once you have the knowledge into your brain then you know voila but we we always get back to the to the question are are we uh ethical enough or are we uh moral enough as creatures to to handle or deal with this technology, and I'm with you. The answer is no. I mean, we're we're still dealing with barbarians over in the desert who like to cut people's heads off and then strike them on fire. So, would you entrust that kind of technology to these people? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: you no, know, I don't think so. But it's
2: yeah, interesting. I'm, uh... Uh, Barack Obama's wanting to he's wanting to do a nuclear agreement with the Iranians. And uh
1: Yeah, that, I heard about that. That,
2: sure that falls into exactly what we're talking about.
1: Well, it you know, it it's a, a one eighty, which, you know, nobody is really con you know nobody really gets to ask turd head a hardball question like that, you know. Isn't that a 180-degree turn to what you said about the Iranians having capability of nuclear arms? And, you know, first it was because of their uh, need to produce nuclear power. And now it's, you know, well, it, it would be okay for the Iranians to have a nuke or two. You know, we don't have a problem with that. And you look at their history over in the Middle East, well, first of all, you're talking about a government that's a completely total theocracy. I mean, everything they do is dictated by uh, Sharia, and, you know, they're totally uh, Shiite, and you can... they're... can be very radical extremists, you know, and so they don't have the reputation for being uh necessarily a peaceful people and they don't they always have the uh well plus that their their uh messiah is the 12th imam and that's their goal is to bring about chaos to hasten the 12th imam what better way to do that than of course the nuclear warhead or to facilitate a nuclear exchange so you know well it, it it's becoming more, more and more evident to me that Barack Obama is Muslim I don't think it can really be argued anymore You know, I I see the talking heads, they will go around it, in between it, but they will not say what I just said, that, you know, considering everything, you know, that has happened and what he has done and said, I really have to start thinking he's a Muslim. I mean, they will not bring themselves to say that. And I find that striking,
2: very interesting, huh? Yeah, uh, you know,
1: because I, I can, I cannot come to any other conclusion that he is a Muslim. I mean, just based on his, uh, his, his response at the the uh, the prayer breakfast, you know, and basically saying that religion has always we've always had extremes in religion Uh, it never mentioned the word terrorist or radical islam and brought up you know the crusades and the christians and and it's like you know dude you're in the wrong time period you know this this isn't the crusades we're were way beyond the Crusades. I mean, the the Crusades required that it was mano a mano. You know, at least you know it was sword against sword. It was <laughs>
0: you
1: know, it was either you, you fell by the sword or you lived by the sword. And it just it makes no sense to me. I I can't figure it out. I know that. Uh, Everybody on Facebook knows it. I mean, I think everybody on Facebook now will come out in the open and say, you know, Barack Obama is a Muslim. But the mainstream media, uh, cable news media, even, Fox News, they will never come out and say Barack Obama, he's a Muslim. There are still some saying, well, he's a Christian. Well, he hasn't proved it. I mean... He's done some things to very to highly suggest that he is not Christian. I would say one of the first is uh uh where was the speech that he gave where he covered up the crucifix and uh it was more or less a it was like a was it Notre Dame? Uh it was like a religious you know college or institution, but I can't remember which one it was, but he he like covered up the crucifix and anything referencing Christianity, and it was very bizarre, like you know why is this guy doing this and if you look at the pictures from the second well this is a controversy. I got in the controversy on another forum. Uh, There's the photo of him in the second inauguration and he's got his hand on uh, what supposedly is two Bibles. Okay. The first Bible, of course, being, I think, George Washington and the second Bible is said to be that of Abe Lincoln's. But, it also looks like, too, uh, the first or second volume of Thomas Jefferson's Quran. Uh, you know, it looks very similar to that. Now, Keith Ellison did take his oath on Thomas Jefferson's copy of the Quran. So, you uh, it it's weird. I never could determine, though, if that was the case. It may have been Martin Luther King's Bible. I do not know. But uh, looking at the photos and the approximation of the size of the of the book and the condition, it sure looks similar to Jefferson's uh, Quran. And, you know... Then of course everybody says, "Well, what's Thomas Jefferson doing with the Quran?" You know, and then they, they don't know uh, history about. Well, Thomas Jefferson was the first American president to have to deal with the Muslims.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, in order for him to deal with the Muslims, he had to understand their faith, and uh, and that's where we had the confrontations with the Barbary pirates. As a matter of fact, that's where the uh marines came from. You
0: know,
1: where and they would wear leather uh leather protectings around their necks. That's where the leather neck came from. You know, from getting their heads sliced off. But uh interesting stuff and I and yes, I I do believe we're we're living well. We're reliving uh, the '30s and going into the '40s again, and we're in the preliminary where things start falling apart, and it's going to fall apart very rapidly, and it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. And all I all I can do and I know there's Carol Carol would certainly agree and there you may agree and there's others who may agree is that uh you know we're we're coming to a conclusion of this chapter. Uh only question is I I have no idea of what the next chapter is gonna look like, what it's gonna have for us. You know, Uh, I wish they did. I know, I can tell you this, I think it'll be, you know, life-changing for all of us as far as what we know and what we're used to. And, you know, it... Uh, and I think, too, it's going to change the, the paradigm of what we believed to be true, uh, we're going to be shocked that, you know, what we have been told all of our lives uh, was not true, which I know you understand that because we talk about it on this show about every, uh, every week. Uh, you know, those who we're closest to on Facebook, they understand because Uh, they also talk to us a lot about it. So, but the message is really for those who may not understand or know exactly what we are dealing with and what the confluence of events that are taking place are going to lead up to. And again, you said it, in the beginning it's chaos and all I've got to do is read a little bit about Dugan uh, the professor over in, in Russia that's you know very high up on uh, Putin's advisor list and you'll find out a little bit about uh, chaos and chaos uh, a little bit about chaos magic about what it is and how the Soviets may be, you know, using it today. Well, actually, they may have been using it all along and we just didn't realize it. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of things come up that, uh, you know, we, you know, we we never knew before. And I'll tell you something else. before we, you know, close out the evening, is that uh, they found those scrolls of, of ancient Babylon, you know, here recently, which I'm very interested for those to get translated in English and put into a book because i vote to read them. But anyway, you, you got anything you want to close with, Brent, for the evening?
2: Uh, just I want uh, to touch on the Chris Kyle trial. That's about to or not, not his trial. The the uh, killer chris kyle some things are just coming out today that a war veterans group is they're saying that this guy never had any war combat uh he served in iraq in 2007 and his base was pretty much like living in a southern california base all the amenities and they're saying that there's no way in hell this guy had ptsd and there's also some allegations, everything is just now starting to come out, but there's also some allegations that uh, he somehow he made a phone call to his dad and was talking about how the uh, Iraqi prisoners were being treated there at, at his base and uh, didn't like what he saw. So that's something that's developing right now, and I think we're going to hear a lot. I got my information from the Blaze. It's on there if you want to go take a look at it. But I've never heard any of this until right now where the jury selection is starting to uh be held and uh, it's being held in Stephenville, Texas, which is not too far outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area.
1: Yeah, I, I, as a matter of fact, I saw that uh, just before I came on the show. I, I glanced at that article, so uh, we'll definitely be keeping up with that trial and what comes out of it because it. Uh, who knows? Whatever this guy may know may lead back. For instance, the Burt doll—you never know.
2: <laughs> never know. Yeah, because I, I've but, pretty much my my feeling all along has been: look, if a if a guy's in really bad shape due to war, uh, ps, you know, PTSD, and maybe he was out of his mind. Uh, I haven't been, you know, an advocate of, you know, the death penalty or like, you know, I just it's something I don't even really like to think about, to be honest with you. Uh, that one of our own killed one of our own, but if this. This turns out to be, you know, keyword word being if. Uh, I like to get the facts before, you know, forming an, an opinion. But uh, this was, it really surprised me that this is just now. We've had a long time, uh, you know, since Chris Kyle's death up until the trial that's that's starting now. And uh, it was surprising to me to see this come out. So we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I know.
1: yeah it was for me, too. Well, all right, guy.
2: Well, enjoyed it. And... uh
1: Hopefully we can I'll try to be working on getting getting us a guest next week, uh if you can get the other guy from open waters to uh, talk to him and okay. see when he might be interested, that'd be great too. But uh you. anyway anyway, Brent, uh enjoyed it. You have a good weekend and uh don't shoot a hole in your kayak. <laughs>
0: All right, man. All right. Take it Good night, brother. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.
1: All right. Bye bye.